thank Andrew for such warm welcome. Well, Cornerstone, you thought your pastor Andrew was late in getting married. I think I might have beat him. <laughs> it's so great to be with you, church. It's my honor and joy to open up God's Word together. Now, when Pastor Andrew told me, it's just like how he laid out at the beginning, it's so well, right? That's my prayer for you, that during this retreat, you will drink deep, drink deep from the living water that only Jesus can provide. And I pray that as we kick off our session in this time, I pray that you will slowly and surely, just one nudge, one degree at a time, you begin to experience a little bit more of deep gospel sabbatical rest only God can grant. That would be my prayer as we open our time. So before anything, may I open our time in prayer? Will you bow your head and let's pray together? Oh God, I lift up this precious cornerstone church to you. Oh God, you are the one through your blood and sacrifice on the cross built this church. And so, Lord God, you come. Even though we know your presence among us, come mightily. And the Spirit of God, only do the work that you can do, convict our heart. God, reveal to us what needs to be revealed. Uh, like a skillful surgeon, cut us deep. I know it hurts, but cut us deep so that those wounds and cancer that killed us in our spiritual life can be drawn out. Some of us don't even know what that is today. Some of us are restless. Some of us are wounded. But God, we expect great things to happen in this retreat because we know the Spirit of God, you change our hearts and mind. So will you do that work? We expect you to come and work in our hearts. And we trust our fragile, our vulnerable, our broken hearts to you. It belongs to you, O Lord, so bring it home today. And your precious name we pray. Amen. So as we kick off our retreat today, just like very aligned with the theme, you got here early, you came here for Friday session, you didn't even wait for Saturday. So I want to talk about the theme of rest. That's literally what we are going to do. When you think about rest, that's the whole theme of the retreat. It's very antithetical and fitting at the same time because it's antithetical in one way. I mean, how are you measured up by these days wherever you go to work? I mean, when you meet a new people, what do they ask? Hey, what's your name? What do you do? Uh, in a society, modern Western culture we live in, with also our some of Eastern culture background, we are often judged and measured by our productivity and by our outcome. And to talk about rest, I'll give that to weaklings. I don't need rest. Pull myself up by bootstrap. Let's get to work. So who needs a rest in one sense then? But another sense, it's fitting. Not only it's because retreat theme that is rest, but aren't you tired? I am. I mean, I... No, I'm all, wherever we go, we are measured. When they ask what we do, or where we have lived, we feel constant judgment, and we are tired of that. 
and we want to experience, can I just be me experiencing this deep rest? That's what we are long each day. At the beginning of 2023, a friend of mine sent me this article from New York Times called Happy Low-Key New Year. Maybe some of you guys read that or not. Uh, in their article, the author actually of the New York Times article quotes a viral TikTok video that went viral that in two days it gained 1.8 million view. Who knows by September we are how many views? Maybe 100, who knows what, I haven't checked it. But in that video, there's like this lady social worker who is tired of life, just sits down on a chair and says this. And this is New Year Times, what she says in that video, I think we need to set some expectations. I don't need 2023 to be my year. I need it to not be a soul-sucking drag through earthly purgatory. I need 2023 to come in, sit down, shut up, and don't touch anything. She said. I need a palate cleanser ear, a sensory deprivation ear. Man, what a rant when I saw that. But apparently it struck a chord with so many people, a bunch of people, like commented that how last year has been such a hard year for people. All they want is that they don't need a grand big bang. They just want rest, quiet year. And I know there are not that many parents, sure. One time I saw this internet meme that talking about parenting. They said parenting is like jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. But you are so busy opening up other people's parachutes that you don't get to open up yours, so you hit the ground. But you don't die, you get up and cook dinner. <laughs> Some of you might feel like that. You need a palate cleanser. You're like, oh, where is my rest of today? Uh, so the question that I want to pose is, are you at rest today? Let's talk about that. We are longing for rest and how we are going to go about. I want to explore kind of three different areas. Uh, first, what we are going to do is state, we are going to look at the description of heart at rest first. What does it look like to be your heart, to be complete at rest, each state first? And secondly, we will examine that. How are we doing as a church? How are you doing as an individual? So after we examine each state, heart at rest, after describing what does it look like to be at rest, we will examine our life second and third. I want to give you some practical tips how to go about it. I was about to accomplish it, but no, that's antithetical. How do you experience this really rest? And how we are going to go about it is that we want to do that by exploring, the, probably I'm not exaggerating I know preachers, we tend to take hyperbole, always exaggerating. But really, I think it's the most well-known Psalm, Psalm 23. One of the dangers of tackling such familiar texts is, oh, I know it. I read it a billion times. Perhaps some of you and many of you might say, I don't even need to open up the Word because I know it all. But I invite you to open Psalm 23 as I read it here uh, because we will spend rest of our time in Psalm 23. Let me read it for us. Psalm 23, I'll read in its entirety. Uh, Psalm 23, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and restores my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. This psalm is, in a sense, the psalmist is experiencing such deep rest. It's just this song of confidence is what this psalm is all about. He's experiencing this Yahweh's love. The most common interpretation of this psalm is that first it gives a picture of a shepherd in verse 1 through 4 and a host in 5 through 6. But as we dive in, let's talk about how does it look like, its state. How does it look like to see the hearts at rest? So look, verse 1, how does it begin? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The metaphor of a shepherd is a, such a rich one in ancient Israel because it's, it's an agricultural society that the role of a shepherd is to lead the flock, guide the flock in the place of safety, in the place of abundance, in the place of rest. Now, about this time last year, so exactly about a year ago, I'm explaining a little bit more background because I elude this time quite a bit in my sermon. I spent my time in Kenya for a couple of weeks. We as a, we have a, as a church have a missions department that became independent, but they still operate in our campus. Uh, that we have children so in Kenya, so we built this children's home. So I went there for a grand opening ceremony for the children's home. And I spent time training Kenyan pastors. Uh, but while I was there in Kenya, there's this group of indigenous people called Maasai. Uh, what they do, they literally go where their flocks go. They literally carry a rod and staff, and they lead the flock wherever flock needs to go. Sometimes they go in really the area that they're literally there are lions. And I'm like, aren't they afraid? No, they go to protect their flock. They just sleep in the middle of nowhere. Because the flock is their abundance. So when you walk in the streets of Kenya, sometimes you see Maasai people just carrying the rod and staff, and they carry their flock everywhere. Uh, this shepherd's job is to lead the flock where the food is and to protect their flock in case of any lion or enemies attack them. So here is the picture of a flock. Here the psalmist, David, is saying that because the Lord is shepherd, I shall not want. Now, if you translation, translate differently, but it all denotes the same way. Here in ESV translates as I shall not want. I think NIV translates it as I lack nothing. Some translation translates it as I have what I need. If you want to like nitpicky, little detailed meaning of that, it's more than talking about our capability of finding rest. It is talking about the shepherd's ability to provide that rest. Meaning, because God is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, 
Not because I am great, not because I am the most wonderful sheep in the planet Earth, but because I trust in the one who is able to lead me, protect me, guide me, I find rest. How, how can psalmist express this so confidently? Look verse 23. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, leads me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. He makes me lie down is the idea uh, that the shepherds find a place, green pasture of abundance, where sheep can lie down and rest. They can gaze, glaze, and graze and rest. But when it says he leads me beside the still waters, when you look at Hebrew Bible that is translated as still water, if you literally translate that, it was translated he leads me beside the waters of rest. That's what the literal translation of the Hebrew words there. How, how does this shepherd lead their sheep in the waters of rest so that you can drink deeply, you can rest in this abundance provision of a shepherd. Actually, when I, back in, oh man, 15 years ago, I lived in Israel for three months and I was a shepherd. So I got to work with the sheep I always wanted to be. Um, sheep are a very interesting being. I mean, I have plenty of stories about, the, the reason I bring this, the sheep's so jittery, that unless the shepherd will lead a sheep to the waters of rest, Still water, they will not drink it. In other words, this water that the psalmist is talking about is neither rapid flowing current or stagnant dead water. If it leads, the shepherd leads sheep to the rapid current flowing, very raging water, sheep gets very jittery that they will not drink. They are not at rest. Or if the sheep shepherd leads the sheep to the dead water, oh, that becomes dead sea, not drinkable. In the Africa safari, I went Maasai Mara, one of the most well-known safari. Only animal that dwells in the still stagnant water is a hyena. It's rest there. Sheep don't do that. So shepherds skillfully find the water where sheep can drink. Neither rapid current nor stagnant, but gentle babbling brook. That's how our shepherds lead us and tell us today. Jin, drink deeply. I'm here to protect you. I'm here for you to find your rest. Drink deeply from this living water. Cornerstone, how are you today? Are you at rest? When I ask, are you at rest? I'm not asking theological or confessional question that you say, oh yeah, I should be at rest because God is good. He provides for me. I should be at rest. No, I'm asking, are you at rest? Right? Are you resting right now? Is there a deep peace within you? I should be at rest versus I am resting. Is heaven and earth difference? Because we all know theologically and confessionally that we should be at rest because God is good God. But if you're really honest with yourself, Oh man, I feel like I forfeit my rest, the peace of my heart every day. Every little thing. I feel like I get killed by Sodom paper cut. And rest is so easy to forfeit. So where are you today? We 
crave for this deep rest. Oh man, imagine this picture of shepherd leading the sheep to the gentle water, and you drink this deep well, and your heart is completely content. Like a winged child in mother's bosom, you're at peace. I want that. I want that rest. Do you see the description of such a perfect picture of heart at rest? I want it for you. I want it for me. So apart from that, this life too short to just live completely restless. Now, you might say, wait a second, Jen. But I mean, look at this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me go to green pastures, still waters. He restores my soul. Man, this sheep got everything he needs. Circumstantially, it's great. That's where you can find rest. But you got no idea how terrible my life is. Don't you know what I'm going through right now? I might get fired at my work. Um, don't you know my family conflict? But this sheep might be able to find contentment and rest because life is well. well that's a valid question, but may not be necessarily. Look verse 4 and 5. Know that it's not just circumstantial. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Here, verse 4 and 5, psalmist envisions God's guidance even through a time of utmost distress and darkness. Uh, So the rest of verse 4 makes it clear that the psalmist's confidence, the sheep's confidence, sheep's rest is not just found in the circumstances. Yes, often it is easy for you to say, oh yeah, I'm at rest because life is great. Look at the sheep. He has such confidence in his shepherd that even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will not fear. I will not forfeit my peace. My peace will not be in pieces all broken. My heart is at rest and content. So in other words, your peace, your rest today is not just found in circumstantial but by the presence of the shepherd. Who can grant you that rest? After I spent uh, two weeks in Kenya training our Kenyan pastors and being with, going through like four or five the children's home that we sponsor, very demanding time. I think I preached like 20 sermons in the two weeks. Last of three days of the trip was a restful time, so they would take us to this safari. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I am a lot of animals. I have a dog and bunny in our house, and there's something about animals that gets me. I love them. Uh, my wife, Kyla, hates zoo because, Jin, but those elephants are locked in, in the zoo. Aren't she get sad for that? Granted, she's right. And so when I went to safari, like seeing like gazillion elephants, it was, it was the greatest thing I've seen. Anyhow, but after each night of traveling all day at safari, we sleep in our hotel lodging. We were there for three days. But this hotel, the accommodation that we were staying in, was very interesting accommodation because it wasn't like brick building like this. It had a concrete floor, but they laid a bungalow, like a tent. So I'm like, all right, all right. And then when you go check in, there's Maasai people. I close over those Maasai who fears people who goes with a flock. They will guide you to your room, and they're like, as you, as you get near to your tent, to where you're staying, they'll say, well, you can go, that's your tent, go. So that's what they do, goodbye. 
But when they were leading me to me, and they were like, hey, what's your tent number? I'm like, I looked at my key, oh, tent number eight. I said, oh, eight. And I'm like, that's an interesting reaction. Maasai people, they were pretty spooked. I was like, what's wrong with number eight? And I said, oh, it's okay. And then I realized he's not saying goodbye to me. He's leading me all the way to my tent door. And I'm like, wow, you're really guarding me. Well, thank you. I feel protected. I was like, why are you doing that? And she was like, well, actually, six days ago, three lions passed by your tent. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. <laughs> I am panicking. I'm like, it's a tent. I mean, they can pierce through it. They said, oh, don't worry. Just a zipper. It's a zipper. So you zipper down. <laughs> Lock with the log at night, and you'll be okay. I'm thinking, I'm trying to go to bed that night. No way. I mean, if lion wants to eat me, they can pierce through the tent, but because I locked the zipper, I won't be able to run out. That's zippered it down. But I didn't lock it in case something happens. And they were guarding me all night. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is established hotel, been there for years. So I'm thinking, I okay, I was nervous. I was able to fall asleep. Why? Is it because I trusted in my ability? Okay, if three lions comes back, I know I'm the fastest Korean on planet Earth. I can outrun lion, I can climb the tree. No way, if a lion comes there, I get lion to sausage in a second. Uh, but what caused me to rest that night, it's not circumstance, but I trusted in the one who is guarding me, who is protecting me. My shepherd, Masai, before they're standing in front of my tent all night, three of them. And to sleep me well, to, so that I can sleep peacefully. Just like the picture of Samas, even though they walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Is that because the sheep is mighty, they can fight off lions? Absolutely not. But because they trust the one who can provide them rest and protection. So Cornerstone, are you trusting in him who can calm the raging storms of your life today? Aren't you craving for the deep gospel sabbatical rest at night? Sometimes you're so tired, but you cannot sleep because you're so worried and worked up by all things. What is that for you today? <coughs> Aren't you craving for the REM, rapid eye movement sleep at night? Have you sleep all deeply, enjoying this great rest? Having said all that, though, I woke up in the morning and I was like, thanks be to God, I'm alive. I haven't gotten eaten up by a lion. So I was trying to have breakfast. I opened up my tent. There was no lion. And like literally, I came out like 20 feet away from my tent. I saw like 20 baboons. I'm like, never mind, I'm going back. <laughs> I was so scared. So I was late for breakfast because I wanted to wait for the baboons to go by. They can be really fierce. Oh, man. I know it is crazy, isn't it? All right. So this picture that the psalmist David provide is going beyond the circumstance, but trusting in the one who can provide protection and rest for you. So how do you find this rest? Uh, is seeking rest the end goal in itself? I want rest, therefore I accomplish rest, I'm going to sleep. But if you really realize it, quench them. There are times that I'm like, I really need to get up early, so I need to rest. I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest. Those are the nights that I just cannot fall asleep. You cannot find rest by seeking for rest in itself. Rest is always byproduct. And what does Matthew 11, 28, 29 say? Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. But Jesus said, come to rest, and the rest will be given to you. No, he says, come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I, Jesus, will give rest for you. When you even look at Beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who seek after righteousness, blessed are those blessed, blessed, blessed. The blessed means, in a sense, flourishing, your heart at complete wholeness, peace, happy, joyful. The Bible never says blessed are those who are blessed. You cannot find rest by seeking rest in itself. But come to Jesus, trust in the one who is leading you. It might feel like he's leading you to the darkest valley of the shadow of death. But he has a plan for you to give you that rest today. So having said all that, um, how? Now let's talk about, the, we talked about its description as in like how it looks like to have a heart at rest. And then we kind of examine ourselves, how are we doing? Why are we so terrible at it? Let's kind of turn the corner about how do you actually go about really experiencing this rest? Because first thing I want to say today is that don't be naive or how you, I would say overly pietistic spiritual by thinking that physical, emotional, spiritual are all separated. I mean, if you're a mathematician, well, you don't even have to be a mathematician. If you went to school, you know Venn diagram. There's always overlap, right? Physical, emotional, spiritual are overlapped with one another. Meaning, there are times in your life when you're, and let's talk about spirituality first, if you're constantly, willfully rebellious before the Lord by willfully indulging in sinful, whether you're a thought, behavior, you call it, you know what you're doing, you're not only experiencing spiritual darkness and restlessness. If you're following Jesus, you're emotional, you're being wrecked. Because you know that's not what God has designed for you. Uh, when there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, condemnation will sweep the guilt will take over you in your heart every day. For some of you, emotional, like how does that affect spiritual, physical? Oh, have you guys heard about this thing called broken heart syndrome? It's a real thing. When your heart is broken, uh, talk about rejections, whether it be rejection from job, romantic love, your future dream, uncertainty of future, that will break your heart and it will affect physically. Heart attack is there for a reason, too. Physically speaking, sometimes you say, oh yeah, physical things hold separated. No, some of you guys, sometimes the, the godliest thing you can do is taking a nap. During this retreat Sunday or next week, take a nap for the glory of God. Sometimes you're so, no, 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 I have to stay up 24-7, read by Bible, read 40 chapters a day intensely. Sometimes all you need is sleep. Know that it's overlapping one another. So some couple practical tips I want to give. First, remember the God-ordained rhythm of life. What I mean by that, when you look at Genesis 1, God creates light, heaven, and earth. After each day by each day, God pronounced benediction. It is good. It is good. It is good. It's getting only better. After God creates mankind, God said, it was very good. And I might say, well, good to very good. Why not create some more? Good to very good to best. The goat, greatest of all time. What's next? 
But what does God do after these things? He sees. He rests. Why does he rest? Does God need to rest? No. God is a God. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. But God rests so that He can ordain the God-given rhythms of life for His mankind. Resting is not lazy thing to do. God ordained rest for the glory of Him. Tony Shea, maybe some of you guys are familiar with Tony Shea. He is the founder of Zappos. Um, uh, he found Link Exchange and sold to Microsoft for $265 million. And Zappos, which was acquired by Amazon, to $1.2 billion back then. I mean, if you are really happy with Amazon customer service, it's because of Tony Shea's influence in Zappos. He cared a whole lot about happiness more than anything else. But this guy was crazy, actually, that actually killed in the end by all kinds of experiments. In his book, Delivering Happiness, you can see that I can hack sleep. I don't need to sleep. You drink seven, eight Red Bull per day to sustain yourself, stay up. I'm going to do anything to deliver happiness. Happiness is all thing. I don't need any rest. It drove him mad in the end to, to do a bunch of physical experiments. He locked in himself in this little garage and ended up being killed by all that. Sometimes you say, oh yeah, it's all about happiness. I can hack sleep. I know that just does not cut. Remember that God ordained your life to rest. Think with me, church. What is the one thing God is calling you to rest from today? What is that? It's not an unholy thing to rest. Second practical tips. Take time for intentional inactivity. When I say intentional inactivity, the word intentional, I have such a love-hate relationship with the word intentional. Intentional, be intentional about it. That's a great thing. But when people ask me to be intentional about it, they always ask me to do more. <laughs> like, be intentional about it. Okay, what do you want me to do now? <laughs> but I'm asking, be intentional about your inactivity. It is absolutely okay to, we are so allergic to silence and pause. I mean, I had a roommate in seminary who had a huge, well, you got the smallest amp over there, but there's big speaker. Uh, he had a huge guitarist. He had a t-shirt that had a huge guitar amp that says allergic to silence. And he was always like, banging his music as loud as he can. And we are just so allergic to silence and pause these days. But do you know that there's such a beauty in pause? It's awkward, isn't it? No, but it's a beautiful thing. Take time in this retreat time and all. Take time for intentional. As Pastor Andrew said at the beginning, uh, this retreat is not just about discipleship making, community building, and time. Take time to rest. Take time to be holy. Or whatever worries you brought, you're like, okay, just as I get home, uh, Sunday evening, this is what I need to do. Then I thought I get to work. Take that aside just for a minute. Take time to be holy before the Lord. Thirdly, know who you are. Now I'm about to talk about a little bit of a cliche, but extrovert, introvert. Some of you are recharged by just being around people. Do whatever it takes. Some of you need to be alone. Uh, be alone. 
about, when I say know who you are, let me be more specific. This is not my own. I took it from other pastors. But there are like few types of rest. I don't know what kind of rest person. Let me give you three, four categories. Contemplative rest, a contemplative rest, recreational rest, aesthetic rest, companion or communal rest. Let me go find one more. Some of you guys are contemplative rest person. Like, I tended to be the person too. I need to kind of get away and journal and think. When I was walking, I'll talk a little bit more. Today I'm talking about exciting stuff for us. Tomorrow I'm gonna take us to actually pretty deep valley. But today's a good session. Uh, so uh, I'll talk about more contemplative rest in tomorrow morning session. Uh, but when I was walking through a dark season of my life, I realized I journaled like 400 pages in the two months. I realized I had to lay it all out. I'm like, God, this is eating me up. I cannot sleep. I cannot eat. I'm losing weight because I'm so heartbroken over this. I realized it. I spoke to my dad like nonstop for like four hours a day, same thing over and over like a madman. What really cured me in that time was actually that contemplative rest. I just spoke with the Lord. If you're a contemplative rest person, let me give you some practical tip. Book of Psalms is one of the rare books in the Bible that marries scripture and prayers together. It's one of the phenomenal books when you're tired and very good. He was my faithful companion in my contemplative rest. Take time to be holy. Build a community. It's sometimes, okay, I just need time to take myself. If you're a contemplative rest person. Some of you guys are recreational rest person. That's okay. Let the party begin. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's try. <laughs> Gather around him during this retreat. Party will happen. Uh, some of you love to hike. Go for it. Some of you like bring all the people, play game all night. The Korean news script, late night all-nighter. If you want, go for it. Whatever it takes, recreational. Sometimes one of the dangers, church, don't look down on those who love recreational rest. Sometimes when you see people, someone who's into contemplative rest, you say, oh, she's so holy. She's so godly. Oh, you're a recreational rest? Don't you know how to read the Bible? No. God designed a person to thrive in such community, recreational, whether it's hiking or biking, swimming. I love swimming. I, I go to gym to my stress relief. Do whatever it takes. Recreational rest is a beautiful thing. Just the danger of recreational rest, just like danger of contemplative rest. Contemplative rest does not mean that you have to be isolated from your community forever. That's one danger that you ought to watch out. Recreational rest, if you do too much, you need a vacation from vacation. So you cannot indulge in too much in there. For some of you are aesthetic rest person. And that means, oh, enjoy the beauty of God who created it. I know it's a little hot, but oh man, as I was driving down here, it was the most beautiful Amish countryside. I felt like, thank you, Jesus, for creating this beautiful world. I was just so excited to come as I was driving. Go take time to be holy. Indulge, if I can use that word, in the beauty of God's creation. Let the love tank be filled up. For some of you, are communal or companion rest. You just need the people around. Seek out, hey, I know you're tired, but I just need some quality time. I, I, you are my trusted friend. This has been hard for me. Can you just help me through that? It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be not okay. Sometimes you just need to go to the companion, trust companion community to open up your heart. What kind of rest person are you? Would you seek after that, whether you're a recreational companion community or whether you're aesthetic 
or whether you're a contemplative rest person. Know how God has designed you and don't feel guilty by it. Don't be ashamed by that. Honor one another because God designed all of us very differently. Lastly, I know this sounds like very, well, what was that about? But I want to stress the most importance on what I'm about to say. What I have said up thus far is actually for all of you, whether you're followers of Jesus or not, you can do contemplative rest, aesthetic rest. That will still help you to go do that. But what I'm about to say is exclusively for those who are following Jesus Christ alone. This might sound like, well, that's kind of cliche, but no, I really mean that. I think this is the most important key for Christians. How do you find rest most practically? Remember Jesus who said, it is finished. Jesus did not die on the cross for your sins saying, do more, prove yourself. No, Jesus died on the cross saying, it is finished. We live in such a productivity culture, and even we guilt ourselves. No, 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 no. I must prove ourselves, prove my worthiness to others. It is finished. It's the declaration against your restless heart. God is not asking you to prove yourself to him. He came down the ladder to meet you just as you are. He saw your restless, insecure, vulnerable, broken heart, and Jesus said, Jen, I know you're restless. I know you're hopeless. I know you're broken. But I'm going to go to cross for your sin, and I will be enough Savior for you. Do you know Jesus who cried out, it is finished for you? Church, why are you so restless? Why are you constantly trying to prove yourself? Because you haven't saturated your heart deep enough. You have not drunk deep enough from the living water that only blood of Jesus can provide. Do you know when he cried out, it is finished? That is the most healing bomb three words in my life. Do you know their rest for you? Uh, about about two years ago, Kyla, actually, my wife, sent me this article written by Harvard Business Review called, <laughs> entitled, If You Are So Successful, Why Are You Still Working 70 Hours a Week? I was like, oh, that's a fascinating article. Let me read that. So I read that. <laughs> I was fascinated because in the Harvard Business Review, it basically says that, what do you think if some of you guys go to work? The favorite employees by the employer, in your mind, you think we're the competent, capable, confident. No, that's not the favorite type of employee by the employer. Harvard Business Review says that actually the most favorite employee by the employer, the insecure overachievers. Let me read what the, this article said. Some leading professional organizations explicitly use this terminology though not in public, insecure overachievers are exceptionally capable and fiercely ambitious, yet driven by a profound sense of their own inadequacy. Are you an insecure overachiever? Do you know what's the greatest antidote when you feel like constantly you have to prove yourself worthiness? Remember that three word, it is finished. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more or any less. 
Jesus has done it all for you. Uh, let me end by sharing this story, the example of the one who experienced gospel rest. Psalm 23 is actually one of the psalms that chaplains use a lot in deathbed, a lot of in the retirement center. I myself and one of my congregants were about to pass away, and I sat down with them and read this psalm with them. Um, and it's just such a fitting verse. Yeah, one of my Christian heroes who experienced this rest is named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor during the times of Adolf Hitler. He was a phenomenal figure. I mean, he's a, such an interesting pastor that lived and died. In the end, he was executed because his plot of trying to execute Adolf Hitler got exposed. Um, so just a few days before the day of liberation, he was killed in the camp. He was a pastor, a theologian, he was a spy, just fascinating. I mean, he came, fled to America during war, but he went back to his people because he thought I should suffer with them, the part of a confessing church. But anyhow, before his plot was just exposed, he didn't know that it was April 8th, 1945. He preached this famous sermon on Isaiah 53, the Lamb of God who suffered and died for him. The one who cried it is finished. And soon after that, one of the prisoners who saw how Bonhoeffer went because they came to get Bonhoeffer, uh, this is what observer said who saw how Bonhoeffer died. He had hardly finished his last prayer when the door opened and two evil-looking men in civilian clothes came in and said, Prisoner Bonhoeffer, get ready to come with us. Those words, come with us. For all prisoner, they had come to mean one thing only, the scaffold. We bade him goodbye. He drew me aside. This is the end, he said. For me, beginning of life. What a man who was experiencing the rest, even in the point of death. The prison camp doctor who saw so many executions have never seen anybody who like, died like this. How could he experience such a rest and confidence even in the point of death? This is what prisoner doctor said. He said a short prayer and climbed the steps to the gallows. Brave and composed, his death ensued after a few seconds. In the almost 50 years that I worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Cornerstone, this kind of rest that you can experience in life and death is available in Christ alone, who cried out for you. It is finished. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's continue prayer. Oh God, we are tired. We are weary. We are here at the retreat. We are retreating ourselves, and we commit ourselves to you in the next few days. God, why is that so easy? We are so prone to forfeit all the peace and rest in our hearts. What are the causes of that today, O oh Lord? What are the things that cause us to be restless? Oh God, will you expose what that is this week? 
and will you cause us to reorient ourselves so that more than just looking at the circumstance, we look to you, our protector, our guide, our shepherd, who lead us beside the waters of rest. Oh God, we ask that you give us confidence in you enough that we can rest and drink deeply from this living water that only you can provide. God, we entrust our hearts to you. Do the mighty things that only you can do. So God, we trust you and we preach to ourselves, it is finished. It really is finished. Our sins has been paid for. We got nothing to be afraid. You're our shepherd forevermore. Uh, may the healing balm penetrate through our soul today. In your precious name we pray. Amen.